we're really obsessed with this idea of people like learning the lesson before they need to be taught it, right? This, this idea of the prodigy and the gifted child. Like when you think about it, when I was younger, the big movie was Goodwill Hunting, which is a story about a guy who with seemingly no training, no nothing, is capable of mathematics that no one else can do on his level. And we're fascinated with that. That fascination leads us to our belief that once you've learned a lesson, it's like put in a folder and filed away in your head, and that's it. You've learned the lesson. It's done. It is filed away perfect knowledge, and you can move forward. But that's not really the case. See, as I get back to working full-time in fiction writing, I'm getting back to this idea that there are writing lessons that I have to relearn, things that have adjusted and changed. And I wanted to talk about 10 of those lessons I've relearned today. Right? Relearning lessons doesn't make you a failure. I kind of want to start with that, right? Because we tend to beat ourselves up. Again, because we create this mythology. And, and make no mistake, it's a mythology. We create this mythology of the child genius, of the prodigy who needs no information, nothing beyond what they already have. And they're amazing and flawless from the start. Because culturally, we're a little bit lazy, right? Like the American, the American cultural aesthetic on this seems to favor one extreme or the other. Either this old school, absolutely puritanical work ethic, where you work 27 hours a day, 397,000 days a year, every year of your life, and achieve massive wealth and incredible benefit for all of your just massive efforts. That's one side of the myth. The other side of the myth is that you are born gifted in a way that no one can understand. And that that myth creates wealth and benefit and wonder for you. Now, this is our latest form of the myth, right? Like, we like to combine with hard work. But we like to believe that the people who are in successful positions are like geniuses on a level that we can't ever understand or fathom. And the reality is they're not, right? Like, this is that weekend when Elon Musk hosted Saturday Night Live. And the reality is, if you actually do a deep dive on Elon Musk, A, he's not nearly as brilliant as the cult of personality around him would have you believe. You know, he has made many fuck-ups in his life. And and just we just don't talk about them. We move forward on all the good stuff. It's kind of like how ancient Egyptians recorded the history of their victories, but kind of ignored the defeats. And we're like, yeah, no, we didn't really lose over there. Okay, we kind of did, but we're not going to talk about it. But also that he has had to put forward work and money and everything else, right? So the reality of that, and the reason I bring Elon Musk up is not to piss people off, but it's to point out that the truth about the America, about like anybody's work ethic and anything and any amount of lessons, anything you're trying to achieve, it's the middle road, right? You are probably born with a certain amount of talent or a certain gift or a certain set of gifts. Everybody is. I've been around 41 years and met all kinds of gifts across the spectrum. But you also have things you have to learn along the way, right? So so there's there's a mix. It's the middle road is honestly the story, right? The two extremes, the genius who who is there, and if he works, you just can't ever equal him, is incredibly rare and honestly mostly myth. And the Puritan myth of I will work my ass off and create the greatest thing ever through hard work and carving it from the stone is also myth. I need to say that. I know that took a couple minutes to talk about, but we need to say that as we set up where we're going, right? So in my respect, I'm a 41-year-old man 
left my marketing job, have picked up a couple of other things that I'm working on, a couple of side hustles and helping to build a new company. And that's really great. But I'm also really focused on getting serious as a writer because I'm in my 40s. And if history has taught us anything, this seems to be the ideal time for most writers is in their 40s. It's when you've learned enough shit that you actually have stuff to talk about. So I, I, I'm sitting down to write like the last two weeks and it's just been a nightmare trying to get together because there were things I had to relearn. There were lessons that maybe I knew in some form earlier in my life that I didn't really remember and hadn't really sat in because things have changed and we we forget lessons as we've worked. So I started making a list and if, like, if you follow me on Twitter, these are nothing new. At M Hampton Writer is, is my Twitter handle. Um, but if you follow me on Twitter, you've probably heard these already. If you haven't, then here it is. Like These are the 10 lessons that I want to briefly touch on. And these aren't just for writers. These are kind of for everybody. But understand, like anything on this program, they're based in the logic of being a writer. Because that's that's the lens through which I see the world. So let's talk about these 10 lessons I'm relearning about being a writer. You ready? Good, because I am. Let's go lesson number one. Lesson number one, sometimes you're just not in the right place. You need to walk away and reset. It's hard because we're all taught to prize accomplishment and completion, but at a certain point, you're doing more harm than good. Yup. Had to relearn this one this week because I'm writing short stories and I want to finish short stories because every writer and every writing teacher will tell you finishing things is super important. I remember hearing a talk with Joyce Carol Oates saying, you know, re finish, 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 finish. And, and sometimes it's great. Like, yes, you need to finish stories. You need to finish work so you can put it out there. But... Sometimes you're just not in the place to get that work finished. And, and by trying to like Puritan, and this is not what Joyce Carol Oates means, by the way. This is my interpretation of what she's saying, which is a fact. And I'm just putting that's bullshit behind it. Sometimes that Puritanical work ethic of like, I'm going to dig through this concrete wall with my bare fucking hands. It's, it's not going to get you anything. You need to get up and walk away. You're just pushing too hard. You're not getting anywhere. You're at diminishing returns. You need to get up and walk away. That's true for writing or anything else. So let's, let's move on, right? There you go. With that, that's lesson one, right? Sometimes you're just not in the right place. Lesson two, there isn't much wrong in your writing or mindset that a walk, bike ride, or good breakfast can't help fix. This was last week on Friday. I'd had a week of terrible writing. I, I kind of dicked around with a lot. I was, I was discovering I liked pre-writing, which I've never done in my life, so that was new. Um, but I was really upset Friday because a lot of work hadn't been done. So I got up early. I left my house early. I went on my morning walk earlier. You know, I came home and I made, you know, some eggs and some toast and I had some mango. I got a good breakfast and I was better. And that day writing was much better than it had been before. So again, like lessons one and two are kind of conjoined. Sometimes you just got to walk away, do a little self-care, have that good walk, get that good breakfast, whatever that looks like for you, and come back to it. Let's go on. We got 10 of these, right? We got to get moving or we're going to be here on this podcast with me forever. Lesson number three, pen and paper, typewriter, computer, there is no definitive way to work. The rule of how you should write is simple. Whatever way works best for you. So this is another thing, right? And this kind of comes out of the like lifestyle hacking stuff that you hear from guys like Tim Ferriss and all who are always trying to figure out the perfect way to do shit. And, and that's admirable to a degree. But here's the secret, everybody. The perfect way to do shit is the way that works for you. 
like I have certain ways of approaching my given tasks, right? When I write, I mean, ultimately I have to type it into the computer, but when I'm pre-writing, I like the feeling of pen and paper because it lets me, you know, do this. I've written on typewriters. I was never in love with typewriters. I was, I was born in 1980, guys. The typewriter was well on its way out by the time I was really starting to write. So I don't feel that need. I mean, I had an old one when I was in college and a little bit in my early years in the military had old keys and everything else. It was just a maintenance fucking nightmare and I didn't really love it. Some people do. And if you do, God bless you. But, you know, the reality is just whatever works for you is is what works in writing, in business, in whatever works for you, do that. Right. What works don't worry about trying to lifestyle hack it and figure out what Tim Ferriss or Gary Vee or anybody else are fucking doing. Listen to their suggestions. Sure, if they have a thing that you like, I'd like to try a fountain pen. Great, grab a fountain pen and give it a whirl. Maybe it feels good for you. Maybe you hate it. I don't care. And you shouldn't either. You should just figure out what you like and do that. Moving on. Lesson number four. It's okay to cry when you've killed or hurt a character. In point of fact, as a writer, it's almost like expected. Like, if you're not a little upset that you fucked up this character, I, I kind of, you're either a sociopath or you just never really gave a shit about that character. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I feel bad when I fuck up my villains. When my villains meet their ultimate fan, I'm like, oh man, maybe there was a way I could have saved him. He didn't have to be evil. I kind of fucking made him evil. Oh God, I'm an ass. Right? Like, I do. I do. I think that. It's okay. It's okay to be upset. That means you're bonding with your characters. That's a good thing. It's okay to be upset when the things that have happened in your work have to happen, right? It's okay to be upset if you have to leave a job that sucks and, and step into some uncomfortable territory. It is. It's okay. It's all right. Let's move on. I love this. I kind of love doing shows like this. I'm not going to lie to you where I can just work down a list of stuff and, and tell you the random jotting shit I've done in my journal. It's great. Lesson number five. The beginning of any great writing session is mostly about being grateful to tell a story. Now, this is one that I, I learned way long ago and forgot and got back to here because I would start my writing sessions and I, I, I work in, in one hour blocks. I set up and I say, okay, here's an hour and then I take a break and I come back and here's another hour and I take a break. That's how I work. It's what works for me. See lesson number three. Uh, but, you know, it's what works for me, so it's what I do. But the beginning 10 minutes of that inevitably is me just really feeling happy and grateful that I get to keep doing what I do. And that's okay. Like, again, I had to learn this week. I don't have to beat myself up over the fact that I'm taking 10 minutes to be happy and grateful for what I'm writing down and be like, oh, man, this feels pretty good. I should feel happy and grateful about that. I should love what I do. It's natural and normal instead of being like, why have you not been writing for 10 minutes? Matt's Puritan work ethic has its roots in 13 years of military service. So there's, there's a psychological issue that you guys don't need to help me solve. I'm working on it. But I appreciate the love. <laughs> Lesson number six. The person you are writing for is more like you than you will ever know. So love them like you should love yourself and give them your best. Now, I don't know about you, other writers or other people out there, but I was not a super fucking popular teenager. Like, I did not have, I know, it's stunning. It's a stunning admission. I know we're all really crazy, but believe me, I've long since passed my boys' locker room talking about my girlfriend in Niagara Falls days. So, like, I didn't have, like, a line of girls waiting to date me out of school. I was awkward and weird. I was a little bit scary, honestly, back in those days. So I didn't have that. So you know what I was doing on your average, like, Saturday night? I was watching, like, Star Trek and reading books. 
right? Like that's who I was. The book was important. I was reading books. When I was in a coffee shop, I was not there laughing with everybody so that then we could go hang out and go to the movies and, and be together and then make out and all. I didn't have those things. I was reading stories. It's important to remember that's your reader, guys. That's your reader. That's who's doing it. They're, they're like you because you're at home writing a book, right? Like, let's not pretend. Can we have an honest writer moment here for a second? You may go out every once in a while. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you're a writer and you're really serious about this, there are numerous Saturday nights you're at home, like, working on my novel, writing it, doing it. You may lie and be like, yeah, living it up, living it up. But the, the book is the thing you love. And the book is the thing your reader is going to love. So love your reader and take care of them. Give them your best. Do a good job for the person reading your book. Not for the fucking critics or for the fucking award. Do it for the people who are going to read your book. For that matter, do anything you're going to do for the people that are going to be directly impacted for it. Not for some weird-ass social media street cred that you can get going, Yeah, it's did some business. Look at it. It's awesome. Here's my graphic. Fuck that. Do it for the people that it matters to. That was good. Record that. That's the sound bite right there. Um, lesson number seven. You have no control over how famous, treasured, prized, or wealthy your writing will make you. Writers and people in general, jam this into your brain. Get this into the frontal lobe. Pound it past the prefrontal cortex. Because this is the problem everybody has, is this dream about the destination where you're going to be Tony fucking Robbins rich flying in a helicopter to go to the local corner store because milk is important and you are too good to walk. Stop. You have no control over that shit whatsoever. None. All you can do is do business the best way you know how, craft art the best way you know how, write your story the best way you know how, and hope for the fucking best because a large amount of this is up to fate and luck. And if you doubt me, start reading the read the stories of every major billionaire in the world, the top 20 wealthiest people in the world, and you can start pointing to lucky breaks they caught. Also, please stop if you're going to write into me and tell me, well, they were prepared for luck, Matt. Sure, they seized an opportunity. That does not mean that luck did not play a huge fucking factor, okay? Just saying. Just because you seized a lucky opportunity does not negate the power of luck. There are people in this world that are going to try to teach you that luck isn't a factor because, well, if you're prepared for it, you'll seize upon it. Not everybody will, and it doesn't matter. You can be prepared to seize upon luck all the time and still not catch the fucking break because it just doesn't come your way. So instead of worrying about that, worry about the thing you're doing at the moment, Right? Let's lead this sucker right into lesson number eight, which is directly related to it, and it doesn't matter anyway. Honestly, if one person finds inspiration, hope, and or some other connection from your work, then you are blessed beyond belief. That's it. Remember the reader. Remember what you're doing, anything you're doing for. Remember the people that are impacted, and do it. Do the thing for the sake of doing the thing. Do the thing for the sake of the people who are directly impacted by the thing that you are doing. Stop this bullshit of trying to pretend that you're the wealthiest, greatest, coolest celebrity business person ever. Because let's be honest, when's the last time you turned on the TV and saw Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Tony Robbins, or anyone else talking were like, fuck, I love that guy? Be honest, because it's never happened, right? You may think they have the secret to you being successful, but, but you don't love them. You're not like, oh, God, I need to hug you. And if you do, therapy. It's a thing. It works for, for most of us. So, yeah, like, stop worrying about being wealthy and start worrying about what you're doing and love the thing that you're doing. Lesson number eight. 
Here it is. Or lesson number nine. We already did lesson number eight. Never mind. I'm not even going to edit that. You're going to know this is raw because I'm not going to go back and take that shit out. Lesson number nine. You're going to die. You're not special. That day's coming, so make the most of every single moment before the lights go out for good. You are. You're going to die. You have no control over when that happens. Do your thing. Do your thing. Write your stories. Fall in love. If, if like, And this is the thing, because I've heard so many artists and people come to me over the years and be like, yeah, I'm in love with so-and-so, but the work is more important. Okay. But remember, you're going to die. Right? Like, you're not special. You don't, because you're a writer, you don't get, like, a special time of death. It's not any earlier for you than average or any later than average. For the writers that died earlier, that was not writing. That was mental health and drug addiction, guys. Right? Possibly shitty luck. Because there have been a lot of writers who lived to old age, too. It's a myth. It's more myths. It's more myths we put around our, our, our profession. They're around every profession. Just look at them. You're going to die. Make the most of those days. Write the story today. Be happy with what you've done today so that if you don't wake up in the morning, you at least know your last one was a good one. Pretty simple. And finally, the final lesson, which you've been waiting almost 20 minutes to fucking hear. <laughs> lesson number 10. Remember when you said you loved writing or whatever this thing you're doing is? When you've forgotten that love, it's time to stop. Dude, this is the thing nobody wants to hear. This is the piece of advice nobody wants to hear. Nobody wants this to be true, but it's very real. When you have fallen out of love with writing, when you don't love telling stories, when you don't love the work for what it is, there are two things you can do. Put the pen down, take a walk, take a break, and come back to it when you love it. Or put the pen down, walk away, take a break, and realize you're never going to love it anymore. And it's a loveless marriage, and it's time to get out of it and walk away. And it hurts, and it sucks, and it's terrible to realize that the book we were writing, or the business that we thought we wanted to start, or the thing over here, or the thing over there, whatever it is that we had so much love for, we've fallen out of love with it, and we don't want to do it anymore. And so we put it off, and we keep grinding our way through a thing we hate. And we build resentment and anger and depression and all kinds of negative shit because we don't want to be here doing our thing. We don't. We want to push through. We want to Puritan work ethic our way through that shit and make it wonderful again. And the reality is, as much as I hope it doesn't happen to you, I've known writers who fell out of love with writing and that was it. And they're better off for having walked away because in point of fact, there's other shit in this world than being a writer. If you don't think there's anything else in this world than being a writer, maybe this is like lesson 11. If you don't think there's anything else in this world but being a writer, then you need to go live life. You need to get out there and see it because there is more. Oh, being a writer's great. I love it. I'm still very much in love with this thing. But if you stop loving it, then you need to walk away from it because there is way more to this life than your, your publication history. Your bibliography is not nearly the only thing in this existence. Your business title is not the only thing in the business. Your success in business, your art, your whatever it is, your pickup basketball game record is not the only thing there is in life. We define ourselves way too much by this shit. 
We do. We define ourselves hardcore by really specific things. So stop. And just realize there's more to it. And if you love writing or whatever it is you're doing, keep doing it. And when you stop and you just can't find that spark again, it's time to walk away. You may be back later. It happens. It happened to me. I walked away from writing for a little while. I came back. That's just what it is. It's what everything is. It's what life is. Life is learning lessons and relearning those lessons later. And learning new ones. Putting some down. You're never going to get them all. They're never going to be perfect. And just because you learned a lesson doesn't mean it gets filed away into some little notebook and stays there with you forever. You will forget some of that shit and have to relearn it again. Or at least be reminded. It's like fear. We like this idea that we can conquer fear, but you can't. It's going to come back. It had you then. It's going to get you again. It's real. You just have to deal with it. I know this isn't the inspirational coaching message maybe some of you want, but this is very real. This is where I'm going right now, relearning lessons. It's a wonderful thing, and I keep doing it. And I'll probably relearn like another 10 during this next week, so if you want to, like I said, at at M. Hampton Writer is my Twitter handle. I'll be posting them up on Twitter because it's not a huge distraction, but it's a fun way for me to vent them out into the world and be like, ha I told the world! Because, you know, I have that need of acceptance like so many writers and creatives do. That said, think about those lessons. Any of these apply to you, even if not in the writing context or a different lens through what you're doing in your life? What are the lessons you're learning? Take some time to think about that. Like, what have you been relearning recently? You're always learning something or relearning something. Maybe you should focus on that. Too many of us want to be perfect without realizing that you never will be. So maybe you just need to get back to that place of relearning and learning lessons. Anyway, that's it. That's what I've been doing this week, and, and we'll see what I'm doing next week. But until next time, I am Matt, a working writer, and this has been My Confession. I'll talk to you all next time.